1: What's up, Kings fans, and welcome to episode number 58 of the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville, and no, I am not at the Staples Center. I actually, if you're watching this on the YouTube feed, I bought a green screen. <laughs> I'm playing around with it. Sorry, Crypto.com Arena. I still can't get over that. I'm trying, guys. I'm working real hard at it. But anyways, we've got a really fun show lined up for you today. Um, we're going to be doing some listener questions later on, but we've got a few things to talk about. And to talk about those things, I, of course, have my trusty bandmates, the power trio that we are here at HockeyRoyalty.com. First of all, our editor-in-chief, our leader, our our guy that we all look up to, he's the one, he is the only, Mr. Ryan Sykes. Ryan, what's going on? Hey,
2: Scott. I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Like I said, just screwing around with this green screen, and um, this was the best I could do. Looks awesome. Yeah, thanks. Other than You know that, that green around my head? I'm not radioactive
2: just (laughs) any any more
1: yeah well that's true yeah (laughs) it took a while but (laughs) oh boy and anyways the other part of our power trio our triumvirate if you will he is the rising star of la king's social media he is the master of everything analytics he is the emperor of analytics he is the prince of pdo the count of Corsi, and i think he's got a special location which is why he's not on the video screen he is the one the only mr russell morgan what's going on
0: What's up, fellas? It's good to be back again. It's kind of getting down
2: to the nitty-gritty
1: here. It is. It's getting uh, right down to the wire, actually.
2: Russ, where are you right now?
0: I am at uh, Toyota Sports at Arena
2: at the uh, practice, getting
0: ready for practice to start. So just figured today would be a, a good day to see if I, we get any players back uh, from injury.
1: Hey, there you go. Have the, 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 the rain already
0: practiced? Yeah, the rangers actually just stepping off the ice. Uh, Samuel Fugimo and Martin Firk were uh, trading uh, one timers, so that was pretty fun to witness. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, now they're having hopping off, and it should be the Kings' turn here soon.
1: Very sure. cool. Did they break any glass? <laughs> 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 oh, glass is glass is okay. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. We want to make sure that you are safe, Frost. That's that's <laughs> the important part. Uh, You know, guys, just before we get going, I just do want to throw in a quick, cheap plug. Um, I have another podcast called Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. And just last night, I had Joe Paterino from the Making It Rain podcast come on. And I'll tell you, what a fun conversation that was. We talked about some Ontario rain hockey. We talked about the AHL Pacific Division. Uh, If you get a chance, it's on YouTube. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you guys for letting me throw in that cheap plug. I appreciate it. All right, sure. now back like. to the business at hand. Uh, well, guys, unfortunately, we are coming off a loss. It was a 3-2 to two loss the other night to uh, the well, NHL Pacific Division leading Calgary Flames. Uh, basically, the Kings got Johnny Goudreau. Uh, <laughs> Again. Yeah. Yeah, he made his present felt uh, very early, 10 seconds in. So, Ryan, some of your thoughts from that game.
2: Yeah, probably about as bad of a start as you could draw up. <laughs> Goudreau shoots it from behind the, the goal and just takes kind of a weird bouncing in. Uh, I think, well, still some people were working their way through security <laughs> before they could find their seats and, and uh, sit down and whatnot. Um, like the Kings response, you know, Kempe with two goals there. Uh, good to see that. Um, just kind of fell apart though, in the third period. And, you know, Tobias Bjornfoot, It's his 21st birthday today, and we seem to have a habit of doing podcasts on Kings players' birthdays. (laughs) Um, Just kind of had that awful – for whatever reason, he didn't use his stick when the puck was going around the end boards and tried to, I guess, kick it with his skate or whatever, but he ended up kicking it right into the slot and Goudreau did the rest – or Carpenter to Goudreau did the rest. Um, So, yeah, it was tough. Uh and I guess one of the major takeaways in that too is they only converted on one of the six power plays, uh, including um three in the third period. So, you know, it's been better of late, I think, coming into that game. They were like five of their last fifteen, uh, going back to the Nashville game. But, you know, you gotta be able to convert on the power play. I know that's been we've been saying that all year long, but uh you just you gotta make something happen there.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. How about you, Russ? Yeah, like Ryan mentioned, that start
0: obviously wasn't what the Kings wanted to see, and especially against the Flames team, that once they hold the lead, they're pretty good at keeping it. Uh, giving up that first goal 10 seconds in is just kind of a killer almost. And um, as the game kind of went on, Adrian Campe scored uh, two goals and give the Kings a 2-1 lead, you were kind of feeling pretty good, especially after the 5-on-3 goal that he sniped. Um It just kind of the second period, the wheels kind of fell off, and it was kind of sh- strange to see. You you were hoping for a little bit more pushback, and the Kings I thought played pretty well throughout the whole game. They just kind of they just beat themselves. It felt like so. Uh, there's been a few games where they play like that this season, where it looks like they've they've kind of had the momentum at certain parts, but then they just kind of make these these turnovers or these really costly mistakes, especially the one with Tobias Bjornflo. You really you don't really expect that from him, so. That was really, uh, it was really
2: unfortunate to see. What about you, Scott? What were some of your takeaways?
1: Well, you know, first takeaway is, you know, where would we be if we didn't get five or six points on that Canadian road trip? Right. You know, hard to believe that if the Kings had won that game against Calgary, they would have been within one point of first place. And yeah. now all of a sudden, unfortunately, Vegas is getting hot and Edmonton. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I do want to mention, thanks for nothing last night, San Jose. <laughs> Thank you so much. For that big tease, appreciate it. <laughs> they were up one to nothing into the third period and lost in overtime. <laughs>
0: it feels like it feels like the Kings have been getting no help lately.
2: Yeah, right? no. Well, for, yeah, for all the help that they got earlier in the season, it's kind of reversed.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, that's also hockey, right? Everything seems to come back to the medium. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, I think
2: uh, I'm trying to recall. I think January first, they went like 19, 9 and three, while the rest of the Pacific Division kind of crap the bed, you know? Right. they surged to second place, but um, we'll get into it here in a little bit, but they got to figure out a way to bounce back.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, obviously Calgary is, let's face it, they're the best team in the Pacific Division. I mean, and really the Kings did not play their best game. So to only lose three to two, as much as it, it stinks to lose, I mean, that could have been much worse,
2: really. I think all the games this year against Calgary were three to two finals. I guess if you want to include the shootout as a three to two final.
1: (laughs) Daryl Sutter always said it's a three to two. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Kind of living that mantra, you know, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the game in Calgary, though. I didn't realize that Calgary, uh, I think Alex Faust said it on the broadcast, but they have one of the lowest uh, ozone times for all, all uh, teams in the NHL. And you kind of saw it there. Uh, they were pretty much one and done for the entire night as far as, um, I guess, rushes into the attacking zone. But it's kind of the opposite uh the other night. You know, they seemed to be in the Kings' defensive zone a lot of the time, and uh, I noticed a much more physical battle.
1: Right. No, no doubt about it. And I do want to say that, I mean – Adrian Kempe heating up again is only going to be good for the Kings. And I, I want to say with Kempe, what's really refreshing is not only to see the goal scoring this season, but the change in his demeanor. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it seemed like up until this season, you didn't see that that fire out of him, right? It was always just kind of a, a laid back kind of, a, a not, not lazy at all, but just a, a laid back kind of, I'm going to not really get too fired up about this this season, especially against that Calgary game, you could see he was visibly getting upset. And when he gets upset like that, he brings it. Yeah, I mean,
2: he had a, he's got a little bit more swag yes. in, his, in his step or skate, whatever you want to say. Um, I forget which game it was, but he shushed the crowd uh, after his goal. <laughs> the Vegas uh, game. In Vegas, Vegas. yeah. So at the Panthers game, after Ferks scored, he said something to, was it Huberto?
1: Yes, or, yeah. Right. Uh, I remember that too, or it was exactly. a Mackenzie
2: Weegar. No, I, I can't remember good. who it was, but um, and then he had the the celebration in the corner <laughs> after he scored. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was his power play goal.
1: So yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly. I mean, and that's that's exactly what the Kings need is is so not only for his goal scoring prowess, but you know what? It's nice to see a little attitude out in the ice too. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was something McClellan had talked about.
0: At the start of the year, that there's there needs to be this new wave of veterans, I guess that you could say, come in and kind of take leadership of this young team. So you have players like Apollo Kempe, Matt Roy stepping up into more of a leadership role and being more vocal on and off the ice, which has been a good thing to see. And one of the one of the more positive things from the season.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, Russ, you are at LA Kings practice right now. And as everybody knows, the, the Kings have been just beset by a rash of injuries mm-hmm. uh, up and down the board. I mean, <laughs> the list can go on. We could probably spend the next 10 minutes just listing off on them, which we're not going to do. But Just tell us way, who's
2: healthy, Scott. It might be shorter.
1: Uh, well, yeah, that'll be, take <laughs> about 15 seconds. But, <laughs> but since Russ is at practice right now, is there anybody that you can see that's going to be making a comeback very soon?
0: Well, I guess we'll have to wait maybe for another half an hour or so. Um, We're recording this, I think it's 10.15 right now. So they're scheduled to take practice at 11. Um, I know Lemieux, Roy, and even Dustin Brown were skating with the team just recently, I think a couple days ago. So uh, I I I think the update was that they might get maybe one player back at a time. So I think Lemieux might be the next one on deck in terms of making a return to the lineup. And that's a player that the Kings need. He, he brings that tenacity, that grit, and that, that's something that is not really present on the lineup right now. So he would be a very welcome sight on, on the Kings uh, lineup on Thursday.
1: Yeah, what do you think, Ryan?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I read that as well uh, in terms of getting one player back at a time. Um, I don't really have anything to add in terms of the players, the three players that are set to come back, but I do – question. I've seen it floating around on Twitter a lot. Um, does Dustin Brown draw back into the lineup or is he a healthy scratch, guys?
1: Oof. That's that's tough. That that really is. Um, I think he's going to see some games. Um, just for anything, I mean, we know that Todd McClellan is a veterans coach, right? And you got to believe that he's going to do everything in his power to get Brownie some games. And you know, for everything that Brownie has done for this franchise, of course he deserves to get a few games in. And his leadership come playoff time, knock on wood. We haven't clinched the spot yet, so <laughs> i got to be careful. But his leadership will be invaluable. However, who's going to come out to put Brownie in? And that's, that's the, the really, really hard part. I mean, look what the kid line's doing. Right. Look what the kid line's doing. Do you want to break that line up? I certainly don't want to see it happen. And I love Dustin Brown. But yeah. I don't want to see that, that line get broken up right now. They're bringing an energy and a, a production to the Kings that we haven't seen quite some time out of their young players. And it's just – it's you know what? It's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, as much as this might have upset a few people who are kind of behind the Velarde uh, train right now, I wouldn't be opposed to slotting Brown back alongside Quentin Byfield on that third line. Because, I, I mean, like you just talked about, Scott, he brings an invaluable leadership and and experience to the the Kings right now that they desperately need going into these vital and important games that they're going to be playing. So to have a player like Dustin Brown, who's been there before, who's coming off a lot of rest right now, and if it's fully healthy, I mean, I think that's just really a a good chip to have um, going down towards the end of the season.
1: You slot him in on the Lazat line, though.
0: Uh, Well, then you... I think once Lemieux is healthy and Lazad is healthy, I think you have to have those three together with Kaliev because they were really productive as a, as, a, as a trio. So, I mean, it's really been the third line that's really been kind of the interchangeable part of the Kings lineup in terms of adding and placing new players or what so what's be it. So I think you just have to put Brown alongside Quentin Byfield and maybe see what they can do as the season uh, gets to the end here.
1: That's that's a valid point as well. I mean, and uh, actually, the Kings would have the option to send a, say, like a Gabe Velarde back to Ontario for the Calder Cup playoffs, I believe. Yeah, yeah Quinn yeah. Byfield's not going anywhere, but if it came right down to it, as far as playing time goes, that would be an option as well. I don't know if that's the road the Kings are going to take. Uh, nobody does at this point, but there's that's an option too. I think I think you got to look at it this way. I mean,
0: I mean if. Let's say Gabe Velarde does get sent back down to the AHL. I think this, this kind of new, this last stint that he's had with the Kings, I think it's been a successful one for him. So he's got to be going down there with a lot more confidence, thinking like, okay, I went back to the NHL, I got my feet wet again, and I, I was a productive player for a few games. So I think that's something that could be maybe helpful for his development in the future.
1: To be perfectly honest with you, I think Gabe Velarde has proven that he is an NHL player. I, I think so. I mean, I know he struggled last season with the 2C spot. That's, we don't need to even talk about that anymore because it's done it's over with. Mm-hmm. And that was basically that's – that's a dead horse. You're beating it, right? But the current role that he's in – and I'll tell you, I wasn't in love with the idea of having him play a lot in the AHL this year, but it seemed to have worked. It worked. It, it got him working on his game again, and moving him over the wing was a stroke of genius.
2: Yeah, I think, if anything, it got him more comfortable playing on the wing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's a, there's less pressure there, less pressure, and it, you know what? It, with his playmaking ability, it's it's great to have a playmaker on the wing. Yeah, Absolutely. I just hope,
0: I just hope he gets to the point because it was funny because I mentioned to uh, during the game the other day I looked over to Andrew Noel after a certain play that had happened with Villardi and there was an opportunity for him to shoot the puck. I forget when it happened. I believe it was during the second period, but he. I just kind of wanted to get away from that playmaker mentality because if he starts shooting the puck more, he's got a really good shot. And especially with the player playing alongside a player like Quentin Byfield, who's mostly known, has been known as a setup type player. I mean, you got to have some type of shooting mentality on that line. And if Gabe Villardi could turn into that kind of sniper role, I think that will
2: really benefit him in the long run. And Villardi had like, what, a 20 plus percent shot rate in the AHL? Yeah, I mean that's, Let's that's see
0: exactly it. it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we just want to see it now.
1: I don't know, guys. Maybe he just likes to hear shoot the puck, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, another guy I want to talk about real quick is is Rasmus Kupari and and the the turnaround that he seemingly has gone through as well. You know, small sample size so far, of course, but he seems like he's a whole new player too.
0: Yeah, and we're starting to see him use utilize his speed a, a lot more on the outside. And, and that was something that we had kind of been talk to, talking about when he first got sent back down earlier this season, that he was a, a little bit more, I, I guess, passive in terms of uh, utilizing that speed. Because, I mean, that's, what, that's one of his best strengths is, is, is using speed to get around defenders. And instead of skating around them, he was really just kind of skating at them.
2: And mm-hmm. You're,
0: you're going to have a hard time doing that in the NHL. And it, it's been good to watch him play these last few games.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. What do you think, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I still think his best game was uh, against the Predators. You know, the last time we spoke, he had that beautiful assist on Byfield's goal, you know, right in front of the, the crease there. Um, just Yeah, he's been light years better than he was, um, you know, in whatever the 30-some games he played before he was sent down. Uh, you know, in a weird way, I think Byfield and Capari have kind of made each other better. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and yet at the end of the day, it just it's it's helping the team overall tremendously, not just this season, but moving forward just to have these kids developing the way they are. That's that's obviously that kind of goes without saying, I think. Sure. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, listen, we've been at it for about 20 minutes. Why don't we uh, take a quick commercial break here? We'll uh, get a word in from our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook as well. And then uh, when we come back, we'll uh, do a little preview of the Edmonton game. And we got listener questions coming, which we always have a lot of fun with. So stick with us. We'll be right back. What's up, hockey fans? You know, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over only. Restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888 789 visit ccpg dot org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 bets off in Iowa. 1 877 770 stop 7867 in Louisiana. 877 8 hope ny backslash text hope ny 467 369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or 1 532 3500 in Virginia. Again, you must be 21 or older, older to enter. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See http backslash draftkings.com backslash sportsbook for details. Are back with more of the hockey royalty podcast. Having lots of fun as we always do. And speaking of fun, we got another King's game coming up uh Thursday night. Well, it'd be tomorrow night, but I don't if you're listening tomorrow, I don't want to screw everybody up and think the game's on Friday, right? So <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, Edmonton Oilers are coming to town. Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, and his crew are coming into crypto.com arena. Huge game, guys, is now Since I mentioned earlier, thanks for nothing, San Jose. Edmonton now sits in second place, whereas the Kings are in third. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the upcoming Edmonton Oilers game?
2: Most important game since 2018 for the Kings.
1: Wow. Wow. I like it going out on a limb. I (laughs) I mean,
2: these these last two really have been, right? Um, Just with how hot Edmonton has been and even Vegas, you know, right on their tail. I think the Kings are 6-5-3 and three, uh, since March 10th, while the other teams are pretty much blemish-free. Um, you also got to watch out for the Stars who for streaking, no pun intended. Um,
1: <laughs> the Stars tonight are big and bright. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah, uh, they got to figure out a way to win this game.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. How about you, Russ?
0: Yeah, I echo uh, Ryan's sentiment there. The most important game since 2018. I mean, the Oilers are a team that's the Kings are probably maybe going to be fighting a playoff spot for. And, and you are also got to look at possibly home ice advantage for the first round of the playoffs. But I, I know uh, Drysaddle didn't play in last night's game against San Jose, so it'll be interesting to see if he is able to skate in uh, tomorrow night's game. But it's just a hugely important game, and it's, it can't get much bigger than uh, – uh, McDavid and back uh, in LA, going up against the Kings with them only separated by one point. It's which is still actually kind of funny to say, thinking about it. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that at the beginning of the season,
2: but now nah, here we are, and it's been a fun ride so far. Russ, are you are you going to the game press box? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, I I would imagine it's going to be a playoff like atmosphere.
0: Yeah, better, yeah, you know, and the actually, fans. yeah. The, the The fans are great on. Um, Monday, the the game against the Flames. I mean, yeah, that first period was just, I mean, one of the more exciting game, periods of hockey I've seen all season. There, I mean, you had Kachuk doing his typical thing, and then <laughs> Boudreaux just throwing Sean Durzi in a headlock out of nowhere. So there's a there's a lot of fun, and it's it's just really good to see the excitement back in Staples Center as we get down in the nitty gritty here. Oh, no doubt about. Or crypto, it. sorry. Don't, yeah, don't see, get, don't get mad right, I'm not the only sex. one that did
1: it. All right, I got I started, started a trend here. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. This is, I I don't want to say it's must win because it's not, but it's have not, it's really need to win. Let's put it that way. So it's (laughs) almost like the almost hall of fame. Right. So you have to at least come away with one point in this game because you don't want Edmonton getting too much separation because I think they still have a game in hand. I was just going to
2: say that they do.
1: So And not to mention, the Kings aren't exactly out of the woods yet, schedule wise. I mean, we just had Calgary Monday. You got uh, the Oilers Thursday, and you still have the Avalanche and the Wild coming up on the schedule. So, obviously, there's no givens in the NHL. And yes, the schedule does get a little bit easier after that. But when you have two legit playoff teams after the Oilers in the Avs and the Wild, you cannot afford to give up points. Not at this juncture. And especially the Oilers, I, hate, I hate, hate, you hate to say it, but they're actually playing pretty good hockey right now. They're getting their act together at the right time. So, And, of course, this is the Edmonton Oilers, so they could turn around and lose five in a row after I said that. <laughs> but they're not right now. And the fact of the matter is you're in a situation right now where you have to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, 10 games left,
0: 6-4. and four. If the Kings go 6-4, and four, that gets them to the 98-point mark. I think that gets them in, so... So try to well, rattle off six wins any way you can, and it starts with a big game tomorrow night.
2: And I don't think they can overlook the Blackhawks either next Tuesday. I mean, we, they did lose to them in a shootout at the end of March.
0: Yeah, and, and that's and that's a good point because you get you get to these games where you're playing against these like kind of lowly teams like the Blackhawks, the Kraken, the Ducks. But I mean, they're they're icing lineups with players that are with young players that are kind of gunning for roster spots now yeah. and in the future. So you're, you're going to be playing – I mean, a lot of these games, even if we look at the schedule and the records of these teams that the Kings are playing, they're still going to be really hard games to win. So, I mean, any game you play in the NHL is going to be tough, and with these next couple games, it'll be uh, interesting to watch.
1: No, no doubt about it. And, Ryan, since you're going to be there on Tuesday night against the Blackhawks – I am. – in Chicago, you need to go down and give it like a pregame speech. <laughs> We got faith in
2: you. Give me the Herb Brooks speech. Can, I, can I use expletives?
1: Yes. Whatever it takes.
0: I'm looking forward to that press conference. Yeah, that speech by Ryan Sachs really pumped up the, pumped <laughs> up the group. <laughs> really got him going.
1: The guys were ready to skate through a brick wall after he was done. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, yeah, like I said got to come away with some points here. The schedule isn't going to get any easier for the rest of this week and going into next week, and it's time, boys. It's it's go time. You, you got to put the pedal down now. Injuries or not, you got to do it. So with that said, why don't we go into listener questions? Because this is always fun when we have uh, interaction with our, our listeners here. So we got them up on the screen there. If you do watch this on YouTube, it will be there right, right there. Otherwise, you got to depend on me to read them. So I <laughs> put the glasses on. So anyways, first one up, David writes, Cal hasn't quite lived up to his contract extension this year. I know it starts next year, but still, how concerned should we be about his performance? And also, if you could trade quick for 50% retained in the offseason, would you? Ross, you want to take a stab at that one first? Yeah, sure. It's,
0: I guess if, for Cal Peterson, I guess if his season performance has been switched around, I think I'd be a little bit more concerned, but since, the, since he started off slow and now he's kind of regained form a little bit, I'm not, I'm not as worried as I would have been maybe, say, in November or December. Uh, we're starting to see the Cal Peterson that we saw when he was really playing up to his potential uh, the last few seasons, these last few games. So I think that bodes well for his, his potential to live up to that kind of number one starter for the Kings in the future. Uh, as far as far as trading Quick, I just don't see. I just don't see it. Like if the Kings were to trade Quick, I don't think they're trading him to a team that's looking at Quick as being a number one goaltender. I mean, it would just be more like trying to kind of get rid of his contract, I guess. And even if you were to retain fifty percent, you're still going to be eating around was it two point nine million dollars a year right for next year. year anyway. So so you still got to get like, a backup. Yeah, and then you're still going to have to sign a backup. So. I mean John the Quick's has proven to be pretty pretty good goaltender above like above average. So I think if I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. I mean it's gonna be expensive. You're you're hovering around eleven million dollars for goaltending next year, but the Kings aren't necessarily in a cap crunch. So I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to have them back next year and be the, the goaltending duo that they were this year.
1: Yeah, I think unless it's it's a blow their socks off deal for quick, you don't make that trade. For that reason, if you're retaining 50%, like you said, Russ, it's 2.9. And to get a quality uh, backup for for Cal Peterson, you're going to be looking at at least two to two and a half. So what are you really gaining in the end? Because let's be honest, there's really not, as far as I can see, anybody in Ontario that's ready to jump up and take that backup spot from Cal Peterson. Now with Cal Peterson, I will say that because Jonathan Quick had such a good start to the season that he did spend a lot of time on the bench, and I think Cal Peterson is one of those guys that needs to be the number one. He needs to know that he's going to get, you know, a majority of the starts in the crease. Uh, so that said, once he started getting those starts, you saw him play a lot better, getting into his rhythm and, and getting there. So I, like you, Russ, I'm not very concerned about Cal Peterson moving forward. I, I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, Ryan, what do you think?
2: Uh yeah, I mean, just to kind of echo what you guys said, he's been much better since the turn of the calendar year and you know, he just got three straight starts, you know. I believe when when asked, Todd McCullin responded uh because he's winning, you know. Um and as far as the the quick trade, there's probably no better mentor that you could have for Cal Peterson. Uh I I would take every minute that you have with him under contract and let Cal learn from him. Might there be a shift in splits next year? There could be, but you guys also said it too. Um, You get rid of Quick. I mean, who's your backup? If you're, it's one of my one of my biggest things this off season is the Kings have to figure out what's life after Quick in terms of a backup.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. And you know what? I didn't think of it that, that way, but you brought up a great point about mentorship for Cal Peterson. That's a fantastic point. It really is. So moving right along. Ah, Richard Saravia, dirty Harry. He's back. All right. <laughs> all right. So he's a, uh, well, he's got so, a couple different questions in one tweet here. So I'll read it all off and then we'll break it down. So disregarding the injuries, which team do you want in the first round? And then he says, would it be better to send the young D guys to the rain next season and give guys like Walker a chance before shipping him off after the deadline song, his value is higher? I think he meant to say when his value is higher. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's break that down. First of all, let's talk about the first round. Who do you guys want to see?
2: Give me me Edmonton.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think think the Kings play pretty well against Edmonton. I mean – if the Kings make the playoffs, they're either going to be the two or three seed in the West, so most likely Edmonton, or they'd be the third, the second wild card team, which would be Colorado. So, uh, yeah, yeah give, give me Edmonton and give me Edmonton on the road. I wouldn't mind a third seed. Yeah, uh, Ryan, like you, you, we were just talking about before we hopped on here. The Kings play better on the road, and I, I totally agree with your your statement that you had mentioned where if it would be more beneficial for them to start on the road because I mean, if you When you start a playoff series at home, I mean, that first game is so important to the home team because if you lose, you lose all the momentum going into game Mm -hmm. two and then going into the next two at at the team's uh, barn that you're playing. So, yeah, give me Edmonton and give me Edmonton uh, in Edmonton to start uh, game one.
1: Wow, you mean what's in Edmonton? (laughs) Wow. That's, I'll tell you, if there is a team that is built to take on the Edmonton Oilers, it is the Kings with having Kopitar and Dano down the middle. Yeah,
2: that's what I was going to say too, and you know, you could probably get a few more goals past Mike Smith and Koskinen there versus some of the other goaltenders
1: that they could face. And you know what, guys, just to be different, I'm going to tell you, I want Vegas in the first round, somehow, some way. I Revenge? I want them. You know, yeah. revenge? Or- Absolutely, I want or- revenge. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the other part of that question. Uh, would it be better to send the young D guys to the rain next season and give guys like Walker a chance before shipping them off at the trade deadline? I I don't think so.
2: I mean, which young guys are we talking about here? I mean, right. I think we can all agree that Jersey's not going anywhere, right?
1: No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So you, you, got, the you got
0: it. I think he's talking when young guys, I think he's talking about like a Brant Clark, Brock Faber, these young players that are Jordan okay. Spence. These young players that might be coming in that are on the team now. I see. Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, that could be. Um, I, I mean, I could
2: I see, see. Yeah, Jordan see. Spence with the rain next year. I can see that.
1: I think. Um, I th-
0: th- this is. I mean, this is the probably the biggest question. Defense is probably the biggest question for the Kings in the offseason, right? I mean, you look at their defense now and these players that have made a really positive impact. Uh, in lieu of all these injuries like Jordan Spence and, and like uh, uh, Sean Dersey and and these young players that are making an impact now, I think it's going to be a, a real big decision for Rob Blake in terms of who you bring back and keep up with the NHL. I, I agree with keeping Sean Dursey because he's kind of be- become this kind of like culture guy with the Kings that fans are starting to rally around mm-hmm. um, with a lot of the stuff that he's been doing. So. Uh, Sean Durzi is a player I definitely keep around, but I mean, where does that leave the right side? I mean, you have Dowdy, Matt Roy, Sean Walker all under contract next season. Can you give Sean Walker another year with the Kings? Yeah, but then maybe you would probably have to flip Sean Durzi to the left side, which I think he could play. I don't, I don't, I don't think that would be a problem for him. But then you'd have to start players like Brent Clark. Or well, I guess Brant Clark would probably have to go back to juniors. Brock Faber would have to be in the AHL, and then George Spence, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for all those players. But when I when I watch Brant Clark play, you just that's just been a unicorn that the Kings haven't been able to find in terms of the, the blue line, and I think he would make a substantial impact in terms of bringing in more offense to the to the back end that the Kings have really desperately needed. Yep.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And there's still other prospects coming, too. That's the, the biggest thing. Wait, there's one? You, since, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got Algie is having a pretty good year. I mean, I, right. maybe, yeah. maybe needs another year in the AHL, but you know what? I'll tell you what, because this all dovetails into the next question. So we'll lump this all together, right? Mm-hmm. So Larry wants to know, let's see, Dowdy, Clark, Spence, Dursey, Roy, and Walker, which right-hand Ds will inevitably be traded this summer? And with Clark being AHL inel- ineligible, He will undoubtedly come to the Kings. Whose spot will he take? Do you trade Dersey in the summer for a top six forward slash left hand D while he has peak trade value? So another one of those multi-question tweets, but that's okay because we're here to break it all down. (laughs) Uh, First of all, before we get going with that, I want to say that I thought that there was talk about the the CHL-NHL agreement being amended so that some 18, 19-year-olds could come to the – or 18-year-olds, I'm sorry – could come to the AHL there was I don't
2: think I don't know if anything ever came from it
1: yeah yeah
2: I think that a lot
0: of it mostly stemmed from the COVID year right and then I know they talked about it more and more it's been a, a big discussion um but I just don't see the CHL wanting to release those players from their teams even earlier than they do now
1: right right so all right so let's see uh which right hand okay so what he basically wants to know is who, if any, of the defensemen are going to be traded.
0: I mean, I'll give you my, my uh, perfect, I guess, right defenseman lineup for next year, and it's, it's Dowdy, Roy, and Clark. Uh, and I think the Kings have a good opportunity here to give Clark. Uh, he, he can play nine games in the NHL, and then they can make a decision there. So I don't think that would be I, – I think that's something that they, Rob Blake and – Kings would probably take advantage of to kind of see if he's able to, to sustain his uh, ability and his play in the NHL during those games. But so you're looking at possibly a Sean Walker being the player that's probably left out of the build. Cause I mean, you, like I just, like I just said, you, you, you watch prant Clark play and that's something that the Kings need right now.
2: So right? I guess Russ under that umbrella is Jersey on the left side.
0: Yeah. I, I switched Jersey to the left side. Um, I think the Kings are out of it. I don't, I, it doesn't make sense for the Kings to bring in like a Chikrin. I, I just don't see it. I mean, with the way Durge has been able to step in and be this really vital piece for the Kings and and, and be a positive a player, I, I, there's not really a need for for Chikrin or to trade a lot of assets to get him. Use right. those assets that you're able to trade to bring in a, a legitimate sniper to help with the power play. That's that's the biggest yeah. problem with the Kings because if Drew Dowdy's health, healthy... I mean, he's he's a big a player that he, that will help the power play, and we've seen his his as, um his absence be totally noticeable with the power play this season in the games that, he, that he's, he hasn't been able to play. So when I look at the right side, I want to see Dowdy, Roy, and Clark. I don't think Matt Roy's going anywhere. I think he's got a real he's a real important piece that the Kings will have to keep for the future. And then you have a really good another year of really good defense down in Ontario with Spence. Gronz and possibly even Brock Faber on the team, which right. uh, brings a lot of excitement to that team too.
1: You know, here's a thought too. I mean, with, with Walker's contract being so team friendly, obviously he wouldn't be hard to trade. And it's not not that I want to see Sean Walker get shipped off tomorrow, but it's just it's the musical chairs effect that we've talked about yeah, before. Yeah. So looking at next season, you can pretty much assume Mata's gone. Are the Kings also going to bring back Edler? Yeah, we talked know. about that
2: too. I wouldn't mind it, but then that probably puts Bjornfoot back in the AHL, right? Is right. that you kind know, of where you're going with that?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So you
2: got Mikey Anderson, and if Jersey's on the left side, then you got um
1: uh um, got, I, I oh yeah, it would be Edler. Yeah, yeah, sorry,
2: excuse me, I lost my train of thought there. Um so yeah, it'd be Anderson, Jersey, and then Edler if he was re signed down the left side.
1: Yeah, because are you doing anything for Bjornfro by sending him back down to the AHL now that he's played so much in the NHL?
2: Yeah, I think you could
0: I mean, bring Edler more as like a kind of platoon role, kind of fill fill in a little bit here and there, and then have Bjornfoot get his, keep getting his feet wet. It's, it's just funny that he's already had over a hundred games played and he literally just turned twenty one today. <laughs>
1: incredible! <laughs> so that's a lot you of experience.
0: Talk,
2: you talked about it too, Russ offline. You know, does that make him more attractive to? Rebuilding teams.
0: Yeah, Ooh. yeah, absolutely. And that's, if I'm looking, I, I mean, we talked about the, the depth on the right side, but there's also some pieces on the left side that the Kings can maybe potentially move, like a Bjornfoot. who, I mean, the rebuilding team that looks for pieces to add to help the team in the future. I mean, to have a 21-year-old defenseman with, with that many games under his belt already, that's going to be very, very um, attractive to that team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the, well, it's a great problem to have, let's face it. Yeah, definitely that's, one of those good problem. problems. Um, you know, just, just to uh, finish up with this, this last question here about Dursey, as much as I like Sean Dursey, I don't think at this point they would get a top six forward or left-hand D form. I think they would have to probably add a little bit more in as great as he's played. And frankly, I don't really want to see him go. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. I think Kings fans
0: have kind of taken a liking to Sean Dursey. And as well, they should be. They should because the way he's played and the, and the passion he showed, he's, he's like this team player that the Kings have, I don't want to say lacked, but it, it hasn't really been as visual on the ice. So he's willing to drop the gloves to protect his teammates and, and get in the dirty areas when um, some won't. So that's, that's something that the Kings would desperately need. No
1: doubt about it. No doubt all right so ryan let's uh spin the the question wheel here and see what comes up next all right and there he is he's back richard how (laughs) excited are you guys for the calder cup playoffs we have a great chance to win it all yeah very excited about the calder cup or the calder cup playoffs as a matter of fact joe and i were just talking about that last night uh the west is kind of tough though uh ontario has a outstanding offense, uh, best in the league, I believe. Uh, Stockton's a very, very well-rounded team. Uh, They don't seem to have any really glaring weaknesses. And I got to tell you guys something. Before we came on, so it's, what is it, 142 here in the East. I'm watching the Chicago Wolves and Texas Stars on AHL TV just to kind of do some scouting here to see what the other teams are doing. And the Chicago Wolves team looks very tough as well. So it's going to be a battle. And I can tell you, living here in the East, that the Utica Comets are going to be pretty tough in the Eastern Conference too. So, just wanted to throw that in. What do you guys think?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked for the Calder Cup playoffs. Just as I'm, I'm watching some players take the ice, looks like Leah Sanderson's wearing a purple jersey, so that, that's that's interesting. Mm. Um, Extra skater? Yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked <laughs> for the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, with with the lineup, I, I think it's just invaluable experience that these players like. Um, Possibly Gabe Bellardi or Samo Fugimau and these young players that we'll be able to gain. Because, I mean, in the Calder Cup playoffs, it's playoff hockey. And you can't get much better in terms of playing some uh, real meaningful games like uh, any type of playoffs anywhere. And especially in a professional league like the American League where you're going against some really good teams. So it's going to be great in, term, in helping out with uh, some of these young prospects' development.
1: And you know the thing with the Calder Cup playoffs, too, is those opening series are five-game series. So those are even more intense than having full seven-game series throughout, all the way through. Because those, those I'm telling you, man, those short series are the, the scary ones. One wrong move and you're done, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, very. I think we're all in agreement. We're all looking forward to the Calder Cup. Uh, let's see here. Oh, he also asked, how crazy is training camp going to be next season? He also asked about the injured players. We already touched on that. Yeah, I think, Russ, training camp is going to be off the hook
0: next season. <laughs> These battles in training camp are going to be fun to watch. It's that like the security in the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, like like we just talked about the right side of the defense. It's it's that's one of the bigger um, or one of the more uh, notable battles you have to keep an eye on um, as we get next to the next year. But just a uh, uh, start of a fun trend and, and future for the Kings. It's like I'm to see who just took the ice in a red jersey. Hmm.
1: Oh. Hmm. Ah, what do you think, Ryan?
2: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, we already have the the game against Vegas in Salt Lake City, right? That's been announced. Um. Yeah, it's going to be like like Russ said. The position battles are going to be fun, especially um, the forwards. You know, after Philip Forsberg is signed, how everything falls into place <laughs> after that.
1: <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And he also wants to know, which jersey do you want the Kings to wear the most next season? I can answer that one. I want to see the Chrome Dome jerseys minus the Chrome Domes. Oh, man. You don't like those, Scott? Can't stand them. Oh, I hate the domes. I like love The jerseys, can't stand the domes. Yeah, I, I, uh,
2: I like them. I've seen both sides of it. But I think they're scheduled to wear it next uh, late April, so...
1: Very cool, all right, so yeah, I think
2: see. they're also gonna bring back the reverse retros in some yes. sort of, in some fashion.
1: I heard about that. I heard about that 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 I'm looking forward to. I like that idea.
2: did you guys like the Saturday home Grays?
1: They or? were bad I mean <sighs> I, I let's put it this way. I didn't dislike them, and yeah. so I could live without them
2: okay i I liked them
1: for some you know. Reason I mean, I might be like in the in the minority opinions on this one, but I, you know what I didn't like about when they did the gray jersey with the fiftieth anniversary, I just didn't like the way the, the, the gold looked. It was maybe it was just me because it just kind of messed with my eyesight. <laughs> kind of like when this green screen goes, "Hey, wire behind me!" And I look like I'm radioactive. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, what else we got here, guys? I think we got a few more, don't we? Yeah, um, scroll down. Yeah. So let's see. Rick, or, I'm sorry, Robert Barton. Assuming fully healthy, do the Kings make the Western Conference Finals if the Oilers and Flames are the first and second round opponents? His take is, yes, they do. Oof, who wants that one? Uh, Go ahead, go ahead, Ryan.
2: I was going to say, anything can happen in the playoffs, right? I mean, look at 2012 for a prime example. Uh, All you got to do is get in. Any team can get hot. I think the Kings can win at least a round. Um, depending on any confidence built up from that round, sure, yeah, if they're playing the Flames, uh, there's obviously no shootouts in the playoffs to uh, to beat the Flames. But, um, yeah, anything can happen.
1: What about you, Russ?
0: Yeah, like just Ryan just said, if we go back to 2012, the Kings made the, the playoffs as an eighth seed, and we saw what happened there. So it's just really for a Kings team, the way they're built just – Get in and see what happens, really. Because, I mean, when the Kings play their game, we've seen them be able to play up against really any opponent in the National Hockey League. So just try to get in is really all you got to do.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, too, especially if they have, say, Doughty and Mikey Anderson back by the playoffs, that's going to be huge. So I I think they could do it, obviously. Like you guys just said, get in, and that's the important part right there. Um, Certainly have got the strength down the middle certainly got the goaltending. And like I said, you get Dowdy and Anderson back and there you go. So, all right, moving right along. Gollum wants to know, what's the fan consensus on RD3 heading into next season? Does 26 get a shot at regaining his spot? And two, do the LA Kings go out for another top six forward, say DeBrusque, for example, by trade, but then go budget for left D to get DD a size who can play big business with eight? Sorry about that. The writing was kind of small, so I was trying to read that. Even with my glasses on, it was like, oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we touched on some of this stuff already. Yeah. Right. So, we talked about Walker. Uh, I'm kind of curious what you guys think about this top six uh, comment, though. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're not going to swing for the fences with Chickering, you still got a lot of trade pieces available to go after that sniper, like Russ mentioned. I, now, I, would you rather see them go that route? or throw the Brinks truck at, say, a Philip Forsberg?
2: I do think they're going to go after a top six forward this offseason. Um, I've kind of changed my stance on the whole chicken thing. Um, you know, I really wanted the Kings to go all in on him, but after seeing what it would cost at the trade deadline, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that his value actually goes down over the summer. Um, coyotes don't have to trade him. Kings want him. So, I mean, if you use some of the money that's coming off the books this summer, I think you have to make a hard push for Forsberg. You have to. It's just you look at all the finishing metrics and where they're at offensively, um, so adding a guy like that, he helps you out on the power play too. You got to go all in. Yeah, I,
0: I agree. It's the, it's the top six is the, really the place where the Kings need to address the most. So, Phil Forsberg, yeah. If the Kings can make that happen, absolutely, it's going to be a probably a commanding deal that he's going to uh, have to take, or that a team's going to have to offer him, whether it be the Predators or another team. Because I mean, you're probably talking around eight point five plus to nine million dollars for at least five or six years. So that's going to be, I mean, but he's a player that's definitely worth it. We've seen the way he's playing this year and kind of elevated the Predators to where where they're at right now. So,
2: Russ, you kind of have a sleeper forward to go after though right i do
0: i do and yeah mason marchman that's a oh he's a, yeah he's a left wing for the playing for the florida panthers right now who's lighting it up i think he's leading the team in points per game six foot four uh commanding presence on the ice willing to drop the gloves and oh. he's playing a scoring type role for a team that's going to be gunning for a stanley cup pl- uh, championship this year and i think one of the Real tidbits that caught my eye when I was looking into them is that he was playing on a line with Trevor Moore uh, on the Toronto Marlies when they won their Calder Cup. So really? I mean, if you can have if you can have a line of Marchmint, Deneau, and Moore next year, man, that's that's just that's just sounds that sounds great to me. And he's a player that I wouldn't expect to really be that expense as expensive as a player as Forsberg. Maybe you're looking at maybe four to $5 million per year. The the one thing that about him though, is that this is really his first full year in the NHL. So there is some questions whether he's just being as productive this year because he's playing on a team like Florida, who's really, really good this year Mm -hmm. or this is really the type of player that he's going to be for the future. So, um, if I were the Kings, I would probably make him an offer of, say, two to three years. Don't really give him a lot of long-term value, so there's not a lot of risk there. But, I mean, yeah, if you're looking for some size and some uh, some scoring ability, Mason Marchman is a, definitely a
2: player I'd look to. I mean, Very Russ, interesting. They were kind of saying the same thing about Michael Bunting, though, right? Yeah, right? And, and I,
0: It's funny because I remember watching Michael Bunting play in the AHL uh, the last few seasons because he was playing on Tucson. And he looked to be a pretty dominant type player. I mean, obviously, we've seen players that can excel on the AHL that aren't able to translate that to the NHL. Leah Anderson, but it's just, it's just. I mean, for Michael Bunting, it looked like he was a, a player that could be successful in the NHL. We're starting to see that playing alongside um, Austin Matthews. So maybe we start. Maybe that's someone that like Mason Marchment is able to do as well, and maybe he'll, he'll be a player that.
1: Will command be a high priority when UFA hits in the, in the summer? Wow, that's that's very interesting. And don't forget with Forsberg, Nashville is is still very much so wants to keep him, and they can offer yeah. that eighth year. Uh, so, have we cooled on Connor Garland as a potential trade target in the offseason?
2: season? Uh, Say so he's not <laughs> as high as you know. I Russ kind of sold me on Marchman too, uh, but I am still interested in Connor Garland. He's more of that like Trevor Moore, scrappy forward kind of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think the Kings need to kind of prioritize the shooter first.
1: Right.
0: Right. I yeah, think, yeah. It, there, there, it, there seems to be this kind of like group of forwards that are kind of rumored to be available. you got like Connor Garland, Brock Bester who's also Canuck, uh, Jake DeBrus, who has been rumored to be available. So um, there'll be it's, it's, it's got to be, it, it seems like trades would be the best option for the Kings, especially with the amount of prospects they have to kind of clear up some holes or kind of unclog the whole, the um, pipes a little bit. So maybe it is a trade that the Kings are looking for instead of uh, UFA.
1: Yeah. Very, you know what? This, this offseason is going to be fascinating. Well, the Bruins also,
2: I guess, help facilitate a potential trade by locking in Nebraska at, what, $4 million for the yeah. next two years? $4 million, that's, that's definitely attractive for the way he's been able to produce, produce
0: for the, that team this season.
1: Yeah, you know what? The only thing that scares me about DeBrusque, if you're not happy playing on the line with Patrice Bergeron, I mean, he hasn't rescinded his trade request. Who's he going to be happy with?
2: You know? <laughs> he's, he's been pretty productive, though. On yeah, the he's run, been very productive. Yeah, well. I mean, your concern is valid.
1: Yeah, geez, you know. Oh, boy. So let's see. What do you think, guys? We got time for one more or two? Here? Yeah, let's
2: see. That's the last one here.
1: All right, beautiful. You know, I always say that, too. You got time for just one more? And I always end up getting in trouble. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Chris, he wants to know, when the Kings won the Cup, they traded for Carter, which turned out to be a great move. Do you think they did right by not trading for anyone, or should they have done a win-type now move?
2: I was actually thinking about that question on the drive into to work this morning, it's just how my, my mind works. <laughs> um, You know, Kings were one player away, more or less, when they acquired Jeff Carter. Uh, he took them, obviously, to another level, and they ran through 2012 and 2014 as well. Kings aren't there right now. Um, I think they did the right thing by not trading for anyone, especially when you saw what other teams were getting for uh, the Ben Sherat deal, the, yeah. the um, Claude Giroux deal. Um, I'm probably missing a couple of other notable trades, but the point being is, teams teams that traded players did quite well in their in their return. Uh, Brandon Hagel, another one. Look at what's Yeah, So I think mm-hmm. to kind of sum it up, the Kings—they're not one player away from uh, making a Stanley Cup run. So I think they did the right thing by not trading away the farm.
1: Yeah, I totally yeah, agree sure. with that, Ryan. For sure. The only the only thing I, I do want to say to that, and I'm not trying to be a contrarian, guy. But sure. You, did the Kings did the Kings think that they were one player away in 2012?
2: I'd say the overall roster was better, I, though, right?
1: I think it was. I think you're right, but I think uh, I think Dean Lombardi was also a little bit more willing to take a chance than. And, I, and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing either way. I'm just I'm just kind of throwing that out there because no, I mean that's it's that's certainly good to
2: have play. a differing opinion. <laughs> For sure.
1: <laughs> how about you, Ross? What do you think? Yeah, I think we're still
0: – I mean, we've talked about it on end. The Kings are still waiting for that Mike Richards-type trade to happen. Or we're all still waiting for that Mike Richards-type trade to happen. And obviously, it's probably not going to be a center. But it'll, it'll be – it'll definitely be – I think it'll – maybe it happens this offseason because the way that the, the team is shaping out right now and the, the, how clogged the defensive uh, – uh, units are, it's, it's 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 bound to happen sooner rather than later. Some interesting line combinations going on right now.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. And I got to say, Russ, it is so cool listening to practice going on behind you. Yeah, we recording. Yeah, I'm so like, cool. I'm trying to help you guys, i trying to be a
0: part of this podcast, I guess, yeah. but then I'm looking at see where Brendan Lemieux skating skating, see where Matt Roy is Matt in, but hopefully yeah, I mean, hopefully these players, I know Brendan Lemieux is on the ice in a white jersey and Matt Roys in a black jersey with Dustin Brown and Lee Anderson in purple jerseys. Um,
1: so we're, we're all yeah. living vicariously through Ross right now just, I'm just I mean
0: <laughs> if the Kings can get some of these healthy or get some of these players back and healthy, that's going to help them out immensely
1: oh absolutely that, that that's a, for sure there's going to be as, some as, serious
2: roster shuffling though as we kind of make, making the full circle back to the original discussion yeah, uh, I'm curious what that looks like.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh boy, got some good choices to make though. They they really do. It's not as though they're gonna be taking any steps backwards, <clears throat> which is which is fantastic. And again, we can just be so thankful that the players stepped up the way they did. You know, the Sean Derseys of the world stepped up, Jordan Spence mm-hmm. stepped up, even Gabe Le- Gabe Velarde stepped up, right? So yeah. I mean that's that's really what's kept this train rolling, and and again. You know, I know the loss to Calgary stings. I know we pretty much have to get points against Edmonton tomorrow night, but I'll tell you guys, I'm still confident and I'm still thinking that this team's not gonna go away quietly to quote a former coach in twenty fourteen. So <laughs> <laughs> uh you guys got anything else you wanna add real quick?
2: No, I don't think so. We should like let us get to practice things about to start.
1: Oh, yeah. well, wait a minute. That's no. right. Let's stay on that. I want, I want to keep living <laughs> vicariously through it. No, I can. No, that's it. I think that's all we got. We went through all the listener questions. Uh, It's been a great talk, as always, with you guys. Uh, We yeah. want to thank all the listeners who sent questions in. We appreciate it. And, again, we always appreciate all the support we get for HockeyRoyalty.com, for this podcast, for the Making It Rain podcast, Anything, everything. We just appreciate the, the heck out of everything. So, and uh, we also want to say hi to our friends out at the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're ever browsing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast, check out the Hockey Podcast Network because uh, so many podcasts on there for hockey. Whatever you're looking for, you will find. All right, so that's all we got for this week. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another pod. But for now, for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week, and go Kings go.